uh, thanks everyone for joining this morning for our conversation on uh, gardening. Um, I got this idea just a couple months ago um, by just talking to you know, members at St. James and thinking we have a lot of folks who garden and who love gardening. Um, and not only that, but there are um, Episcopalians all over our diocese who are very involved in gardening and flowers or vegetables or whatever it is. And um, spring is upon us and just looking to share knowledge and learn from one another. But um, thank you all for being part of this. And not all of us have, I, actually just looking in the group right now, we have a lot of different kinds of uh, homes or spaces. So it's really nice to have a variety because gardening uh, happens in all sorts of ways. Um, so, um, so I asked Father Jim and I asked Peg um, if they could um, share just uh, some photos. Um, so I do have a few photos, but this is just a discussion. And so I have some uh, conversation questions to get us started, but um, uh, Father Jim and Peg, as you want me to show the pictures, let me know and I'll just I'll pull those up. Um, but maybe just a way to uh, get us started, I'll just ask. Um, if you're gardening now, uh, in a minute or two, what got you what got you into gardening? Um, and maybe I'll just start with uh, Peg and then Father Jim and then anyone who else wants to add uh, should feel free to. I actually started gardening probably when I was about eight. We had um, moved to Columbus, Ohio, and there was a, a little patch out front that had, had had bushes in it that my dad took the bushes out. And I asked him if I could plant flowers in there and we bought a package of Xenia seeds and I planted those in there and that was the very first thing I ever grew. Um, and later on, we kind of switched to, not in that same spot, but we've switched to some vegetables in the backyard. My dad loved tomatoes, so we started growing tomatoes and it just, you know, I never really stopped. Um, some of the places I lived, I was in an apartment and so I didn't have a place to actually grow outside, but I, I always had house plants. Um, some of those house plants, three of them, I got when my son was born in 1974 and they, I still have them. Wow. So, um, you know, it just, it continues and it, it keeps going. <laughs> they, um, I'm not sure how they made it this long. They've moved across the country and, uh, um, Stephen, if you bring up my photos, um, there's the one in front of my garage. So the one with the uh, sun and moon flag in it, the tree all the way on, the little tree all the way on the right, that's one of the ones I have had all along. And the philodendron that's over on the left, that one also. Um, the other one I have is a, a snake plant and it's not in that particular photo, but um, the tree I have actually cut back three times now. And again, it is reaching the ceiling in my house. Wow. So I did see one in a um, nursery type setting with a very tall ceiling and it was probably 30 feet tall. Of course, I don't have that in my house. I have eight foot ceilings, so I have to keep <laughs> trimming him back. But um, 
And the, the rest of those are just plants that are around my yard um, that come back every year. There's irises, there's narcissus, there's lilies and sedum, a um, couple different kinds of lilies actually. There's lily of the valley and then there's a, a flowering, uh, one of the golden colored lilies in the back there. But um, so I just, you know, I just play. I don't really, I don't have a, a particular set mind about gardening. I just um, try different things, see what I like and go with it. Wonderful. Uh, thanks for sharing, Peg. Um, do you also do vegetables or? Is I, it... I do somewhat. Um, I usually try and get a couple tomatoes in, but I don't have a lot of places to move them around. And um, as we'll probably discuss later, you do need to rotate. So mm. I'll take a few years off and use the farmer's market. <laughs> right, right. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Father Jim, how about you? What got you into gardening? Um, well, I was born on a farm, so that's a good start. Um, my father was a, indeed a farmer, and um, my mother was born in the city, but she loved gardening too. And uh, I'm old enough that um, I remember World War II, and uh, we uh, basically survived on our huge gardens that we had. Um, uh, <clears throat> they were called victory gardens, and uh, people planted these gardens. Uh, and and I, my aunt and uncle, my aunt had also been born on a farm, but she and my uncle then lived in the city, and they joined us. And we had, I would say, a couple acres of gardens where we planted everything. And then my mother and my aunt canned. Uh, and and based during the war, we survived on on the food that we grew, uh, literally, um, because of rationing and all kinds of other sort of economic problems. It was uh, it was very important for us to have the garden. So so that got <clears throat> got me started, and um, I I love uh, somehow I loved it. I loved uh, helping my dad and my mom and in the gardens. My my dad was more into vegetables and my mother into flowers, but uh, they both did both. Uh, and um, so anyway, um, I remember when I was uh, a little, my sister and I were very little, my mother would say to me after we had lunch, she would say, now for dessert, you can go out to the garden and pick anything you want. I mean, what a, what a healthy... <laughs> suggestion right for dessert so you know we'd go out and pick beans and carrots I'd, I'd, I'd pull up a carrot and just sort of brush off the dirt and eat it right there uh, so so that was my start in gardening it was a good start um, and I've lived in a lot of different places I've lived in apartments and like Peg I also um, I was fortunate one of the apartments I lived in had a balcony, so it was a south-facing balcony, so it was filled with plants. Um, now I live in mostly in Mexico, and um, it's a very different uh, climate than South Bend. It's uh, It never frosts, it's very dry, uh, and so um, 
you have to choose your plants carefully uh, so that they sort of fit uh, um, the climate here. Uh, succulents and cactus grow great, but there are other things that grow too. And I do water and I do um, plant a lot of vegetables, especially tomatoes and chiles, of course. If you're in Mexico, you've got to have uh, uh, chiles. And, um, and I wish I could show you a picture of a plant that has bloomed since I sent you those pictures. I have a plant that is called uh, well, Mexicans call it Cacalo Xuchitl, uh, but it's known as Plumeria. And it has these, or Frangipani, Frangipani. It has these enormous, beautiful, fragrant yellow flowers that are just brilliant. So anyway, that's a little bit about my love of gardening and my how I got into it. And of course, while you were talking about that and just saying, well, uh, we needed to eat food. That's how we got into gardening. <laughs> really brought into me the irony of the question at all, you know, just in our 21st century moment um, that um, some of us do have the choice and some of us are finding our way back to gardens um, in ways that uh, we haven't been in a while. So, um, but thank you, Father Jim. That's uh, wonderful. Does, does anybody else We've got a lot of gardeners here. So anybody else want to share how they got into gardening? I can say I started because my dad uh, had a garden all of our lives, like Father Jim. Uh, we would always, uh, he'd always raise vegetables and kind of either barter with community members or uh, he called himself selling, but he normally gave it away anyway. But uh, he had the two gardens. And so it was kind of, you know, I'm 60, I'm 68 years or 78 years old rather. And so anyway, we were on the fringe at post-war, but the garden was a very important staple for us, even though we lived in the city of Ben Harbor uh, to raise vegetables, have fresh, fresh vegetables. And so that's what my dad focused on. So we had a variety of greens. We had cantaloupes, we had the carrots, we had um, okra he'd raise that we'd have um eggplants uh, there was just a variety of the traditional gardening items that you have and so uh it was with me and i always remember that uh, my dad died on his 90th birthday and i remember that was the only year in my lifetime that i can remember that he did not have a garden in fact i told norris it was kind of a precursor i said i don't think dad's gonna make it through this year and she said what are you talking about i said he didn't have a garden so and he even in this part of the country he would even raise peanuts and what he would do was when he lived in Covert, that's where he died in Covert, Michigan, he would go to the Campbell Soup uh, nurseries that they had in Holland, Michigan, and he would get the compost there. And that was always his secret to raising all these different kinds of, what I'd call in this part of the state, uh, anyway, having to raise peanuts and things like that, kind of an exotic kind of plant to be raising. but. It was the everything he gave credit uh, that produced and thrived in his garden was based on that manure and um, compost that had come from the uh, mushroom uh, factories that uh, Campbell Soup Company had. So now, Norris and I, when we lived before we moved from Ben Harbor, we had our own separate garden plots. She's the kind of person who would put down the visqueen and not have any weeds. She couldn't stand any weeds. I like to be able to go out and hoe because that's to me is therapeutic. Um, so now we have two garden plots and we have one above ground plot and we have um, we have uh, about 13 dwarf fruit trees. We have uh, 
Oh gosh, what do we have? We have uh, try and get some blueberries started. We've got blackberries, we've got raspberries, and my onions are up already. Uh, my snow peas are up already, and I've already put out some uh, Yukon Gold potatoes. I've got some more of those to put out. Uh, it gives me a great deal of uh, something to do. And I also remember as an undergraduate uh, going to college, I had a psychology class once, and one of the things that the professor uh, talked about was the fact that how therapeutic gardens were for people that were uh, um, going to our uh, mental health clinics or homes that, uh, especially in Kalamazoo, this is one of the most therapeutic things that they could provide the patients with. And it was therapeutic about removing weeds. So it's kind of like in your life, removing things that don't belong in your life. So I'm hooked. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Al. Uh, one more. One one more person want to share? I'm happy to if nobody else wants the space. Um, that's kind of a good lead into my gardening. So when when I was a kid, I think I remember at one point growing some zinnias and some nasturtiums, but uh, but. By and large, all the flower beds were dominated by my parents and there was like no room for me to garden. So I grew up, my dad grew okra and jalapenos and I grew up in Texas, um, all sorts of things. And you know, like we weren't, that was his therapeutic garden and we were not supposed to touch it. And that was kind of the thing. So it wasn't until I was in graduate school living in Los Angeles, um, that I actually had a real opportunity. And it started because in, there was this section of the flower beds by my apartments that was just kind of ugly and weedy. And I started every time I walked by pulling a few of the weeds and eventually got a hold of some marigold seeds. Marigolds are ridiculously easy to grow, right? So an excellent starter plant. Um, and I just started growing this little bitty patch of, I mean, it was maybe two feet square of marigolds and, um, you know, as a break from, from studying medieval literature and sitting, sitting around reading all day. Um, and one day somebody came up to me who lived, the, the two apartment buildings side by side were owned by the same management you know they were managed by the same company and somebody who lived in the other apartment building came up to me and she said i've been growing i've got a vegetable garden on next to my building and i hadn't really seen it because it was on the other side of my building i never went out that way um and i'm moving and i can't stand to just leave it would you take it over so all of a sudden i inherited at this point, like a more like a nine foot, no, it's probably more like nine by 12 foot space with tomatoes and Japanese eggplant. And there was a large marguerite bush. I'm trying to remember what all was in there, but it was the first time I realized that tomatoes were biennials because this was Southern California. And so they never died back. And I had never really liked tomatoes growing up. And suddenly, I mean, among other things, because I could control when I took them off of the vine, I realized just how amazing a really ripe tomato is. I, yeah. You know, almost this is like Jim pulling the carrots up and just dusting the, you know, that sort of 
it's it's so close to the vine that basically I pulled it, walked up some stairs, and sliced it um, with oh basil. It also I also there was also basil in there because the basil would come come from that, um, and and I was hooked. Um, nowadays, I mostly at home. I only um, I grow herbs and flowers, but at Holy Trinity, as I'm going to talk about at some point. Um, we have a community garden where we grow all sorts of vegetables, and I so I do my vegetable gardening there. Um, but at home, it's mostly flowers and um, mostly things that can survive my ignoring them for long stretches at a time because I get distracted by things. And for some reason, you know, if it needs to be planted around Holy Week, yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, so I have a, a survival of the fittest garden. Well, me and Mother Terry, since you do have a time constraint, if you want to share about the Unity Garden at a Church of the Holy Trinity, now would be an okay time. Okay. Um, can I share the screen for just a sec? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me uh, enable that. Yep. So I just, what we've got at Holy Trinity is what we call the, the Garden of St. Therese. And I wish I had some better pictures up here. It started out, you can see here before, this is pre-tires, but there are some tires. So it started out with some people in the, um, in the parish who wanted to do some gardening and didn't have any place to do it themselves um, because they were living in apartments and things like that. Starting out a community garden and realizing that um, neighbors were coming and taking the vegetables. And at first the parishioners were kind of upset by this. And then they realized, oh, wait a minute, like if people are needing to steal vegetables out of our garden, they probably need those vegetables to live on. And so um, it turned into a, a, a unity garden where everyone was simply invited to, that's the best way to stop people from stealing things is to give them away, right? Um, where, where the explicit message is come and share and you know pull a few weeds, and, um, water things and take the harvest as you wish. And so um, we grow all sorts, what we grow in any given year is kind of random, um, depending on what people have come and planted, um, including, including us. So I've, I've got, I'm focusing on the winter, um, like cabbages and, and broccoli and things like that. Um, we'll get, we'll have several tomatoes. I've, I think I've got some winter squash that I'm going to put in. We're going to be um, doing a lot of our planting. We're doing the traditional wait until after um, Mother's Day. So the Saturday after Mother's Day, there'll be a neighborhood cleanup in Lincoln Bendix Park. And as part of that, we will also be planting our, um, the the annual plants. Obviously the, the perennials are already, the strawberries are already growing. There are a number of things, the herbs are already growing. Um, but I would encourage you to think about tithing your garden. So if you are, it doesn't have to be 10, right? But if you are, if you buy a, a flat of plants, or you start a, a flat of seedlings, and you have more than you can put in the space you have planned for them, bring us the extras. Don't just toss them out in some way, uh, because there are people who can, we can always find more. We're now planting entires because one of our members got the idea from a um, a magazine article and drove around picking up abandoned tires um, 
wherever he saw them, he'd just throw them in the back of his truck and then bring them. And as you could see from the picture, we invited the neighborhood kids in to paint them. Um, and we've got an ongoing, and we filled them with dirt, obviously, and used them for raised beds. Um, I've got a deal now with my buddy, the, the code enforcement guy, who when he sees abandoned tires, picks them up for me. So I've got four extra tires now um, that I'm gonna plant, we're gonna plant in this year. So at any rate, if you have extras, um, I would encourage you to bring them to us, any kinds of um, vegetables um, or fruit. We are happy to have, do us a favor and like, you know, either leave us a note or something about what they are. You can call me and I can pick them up so that we can plant them all. Um, but you know, we're, we're open to people simply showing up, you know, at, at the corner of Olive and Prast and putting things, if you see a tire that looks vacant, planting in them. Um, but also, you know, you can, you can let things be known to us. Uh, and we're open to that kind of thing. I'm also encouraging um, people to think about, uh, uh, Al was talking about his Yukon Gold potatoes. If you have potatoes that go to I, yep. plant them or give them to me and I'll plant them. Or if you have onions that have started sprouting, um, I, don't, I don't know why I would know about this kind of, of thing. I actually recently discovered some asparagus that somebody had bought, my husband had bought, but it got sort of, it fell behind something. And all of a sudden I see these little tendrils of asparagus going up. Um, yeah, we're not real observant in my household. Um, and so I stuck them in some water and they are putting out roots. So, you know, if you've got something you think might go to waste, give it to us and, and we will plant it. And if it lives, it lives. If it doesn't live, no loss. Um, but you may well be giving some hungry people some good food. Wonderful. And I think a lot of us may know this. Mother Terry's at Church of the Holy Trinity here in South Bend. And so um, either can look it up on the website, email Mother Terry or me for that information. But um, thank you, Mother Terry, for I, I just heard about this uh, for the first time last month. So I'm really excited to see it and um, participate, too. So. And Sue, Sue, who uh, I, I did not apparently uh, do a good job at. Um, giving the Zoom link for this meeting. Uh, hi, Sue, I do want to hear. So Sue is one of the people I asked to discuss her garden. Sue is a master gardener. So um, I, in a, in a minute, Sue, just briefly, could you tell us how you got into gardening? <laughs> I do not remember not gardening. <laughs> I was, the, my, my grandparents and my parents tell this, told this story. They're all gone, so it's only, and I don't remember this, I just remember being told that when I was about two or three, about the size of that little one we're seeing there, I was going along, by, maybe a little older, behind my grandmother who was planting pansies. And I was, quote, helping her. And she turned and looked at me, and I had pulled out all of the pansies. And I said, Susu, pull beans. <laughs> so <laughs> I was pulling, quote, weeds. <laughs> as a tiny thing. <laughs> so I basically have no memory of not gardening. It's just what you do. Well, um, and I'm sure that you sent the link. I just lost it. <laughs> well, I'm in any case, glad you found us. Um, uh, and uh, Samantha and I got into gardening uh, in a pandemic. So you can call us pandemic gardeners, but- um, All right. I grew up with big gardens growing up. Uh, 
it was a lot of weeding and it was wonderful but on a hot day weeding as a kid that's not always fun so <laughs> um but it's good and important so uh we did it but um as adults the pandemic really just encouraged us to make use of our space and get connected with the outdoors and see if we could grow some food and surprisingly we did so um congratulations yeah that that's us but um all right so uh the next question we had is um and we're we tried to do this before there was a lot of planting going on so um what's most important in your mind uh, in gardening as the planting season approaches um when do you plan to plant annuals and that sort of thing um and what are what's some advice you would give based on uh your experiences sue yeah well, don't put them in the ground too early unless you plan to cover them when it gets cold. Um, yeah, I sometimes buy things early, but I put them in a wheelbarrow so that they're outside during the day and then I wheel them in the garage at night. Yeah, that's smart. And that, that, and they also, there's a thing that some people like to do called hardening off where if, if your plants have been in a warm greenhouse you slowly get them used to being outside and you know you can carry them in containers but the wheelbarrow is just real easy so that's a smart thing to do that's smart but that's that's probably the main thing this time of year to remember is don't put them in too early mm. although you can cover them if you really want to go to that much effort that's like Stephen when uh, Mother Tina mentioned that. I mean, Mother Terry mentioned that the fact about traditionally in our area, Mother's Day is usually a safe time to be beyond the frost. Mm -hmm. So I made a mistake and bought some raspberries that I put out already, and then I had to go out and cover them up. And like um, Sue just said, it's not, that's a smart thing to do, Wilbur, because I've got raspberries right now that I'm bringing in and out of the house to harden them off. But it, yeah, I've got a fortune enough. I got a sink in the utility room where I can do that. But that is a big critical factor here. Don't want you don't want to get any annuals out in the ground proper until after probably after Mother's Day, really, because you always run the risk. You know, we got snow forecast for I think next Tuesday, Wednesday this week anyway. So yep. that's important. It's supposed to be down think, to twenty-seven. Yeah, I would think too that what I've learned the hard way is my neighbor on the east side of my property has uh, had three American chestnuts. He's down to two now. But I've had a heck of a time trying to get some plants established over on that side of the yard because of the shade. So you probably need to look for an open area when you're gonna do your gardening so you get the full benefit of the sun that we have. Another little trick for uh, tomato growers is I've found down through the years of uh, have neighbors across the street. Uh, one thing that I've found is very helpful in raising your tomatoes, if you have any sort of trellis or cage sort of thing for them to grow inside, if it's metal, you'll actually get a buildup of nitrogen in the ground when we have lightning. So there's a <laughs> chemical effect that, yeah, there's a, when the lightning strikes that or anywhere near that, uh, the metal, then it will actually produce nitrogen in the ground for your tomatoes. So I've had a great deal of success that way with my cucumbers. The other thing that I was introduced to uh, two years ago is a, an emulsion called fish oil. And it's from Canada. I think it runs about seven or $9 a bottle at hard, um, Big Lots or Walmart or even um, Meyer, But you mix this one tablespoon per gallon of water as a fertilizer. I know a lot of people use miracle Pro. that works also, but this fish emulsion has just been tremendously, had given me tremendous success. I've had bell peppers have been like 16 inches in uh, diameter. I mean, like a softball, you know, 16, 16 inch softball. But in any event, 
Um, you mix it and then you just use that as an application whenever you're going to do your fertilizing every two weeks or so for your garden. So it's helped my zucchinis, it's helped my um, cucumbers and the tomatoes have all thrived using this fish emulsion. So that's a very inexpensive kind of fertilizer to get that you can use on a periodic basis. I know people that will actually take um, their seedlings when they get up and their plants when they first get them from the nursery and they will actually use watering, they'll use uh, Epsom salt. A mild level of Epsom salt uh, will help them uh, thrive also. So I don't want to hog the time here, but that's just a couple things I just want to toss out there. Speaking of your, your fish oil, um, yes. if, you, if you have an aquarium uh -huh. that you are rotating the water in, use that right. to water your plants. Beautiful. Makes sense. That's good. I um, uh, use, uh, I do a lot of composting and I, uh, I compost all my uh, vegetable scraps. I don't, I don't do hot composting, so I don't put any meat or cheese or stuff like that in it. And then I mix it with leaves and, um, uh, and with estiércol de borrego, that, uh, uh, sheep shit to be blunt, uh, which, uh, uh, which uh, this young kid brings me on his burro from his farm. And so uh, I mix all that together, and I only, I only, I don't do use any artificial fertilizers. I only use, uh, you know, organic materials in my garden. I don't do any, any spraying with anything other than, than uh, organic materials. Also, so I, I, I try to keep my garden uh, as natural as possible, I guess, and um, I also. Um, find that I just have enormous numbers of bees and wasps and uh, butterflies and all that kind of stuff because I don't kill them off with uh, chemicals. Beautiful. Great. Um, just, just as a, a point of a, a clarification, because uh, I don't know, I don't know things, Al. Um, you okay. said uh, with the gardening, uh, the um, the metal the metal trellises around the tomatoes, it, it it infuses nitrogen in the ground. Is that good or bad? That's good. Okay. That's positive. I'm glad you asked. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because most of those garden vegetables we have usually the big the number one uh, element in there is nitrogen. So, in fact, Stephen, when you look at a uh, fertilizer container of any sort. There'll usually be three numbers that'll be stamped on there. There'll be the nitrogen level, there'll be the phosphate level, phosphorus or phosphate, and then there'll be a, um, a potassium labeled normally on there also. So, and depending upon whether you want to do more flowers, more root work or whatever else, normally the su uh, successive labels will point those various uh, additional levels out. Because I know sometimes when I was raising uh, orchids, you didn't want to go over a, a cumulative number when you add those three figures up together. There's other some other byproducts there, but uh, that's what the nitrogen is very important for the plants to do well. Most most of our garden vegetables need nitrogen. So that's a plus. <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, I can't remember, we had a, another conversation with uh, Sue Pegg and Father Jim this, earlier this week to just get some questions on the table, but um, 
one of you talked about rotating plants. I don't know if this would be a good time, you know, since we're starting. Yes, Sue, do you want to talk about that just a little bit? Well, it's it's recommended practice to rotate your vegetables so that you're not planting the same thing in the same space every year. Uh, tomatoes are one thing you really need to move around because they will they will consume every the every good all the good stuff in the ground and. Um, you can find all kinds of things online. I was trying to find out where I wrote down, oh, uh, plant rotation and or crop rotation. And I found an, an article, it was at harvesttotable.com. That's harvesttotablerundogether.com. There's an article on rotation, on uh, crop rotation in small vegetables by Stephen Albert. And it was, it, it divides uh, vegetables into three groups. So you're only rotating the three groups. You're not doing the advanced thing. It's, well, and the other thing that was interesting, Peg commented when we were talking about, what was it, Peg? It was in the Bible? In the It's in the Bible um, that you rest your ground once every seven years. Um, and there, in one of my discussion groups, we did talk about that. Well, what did they live on? And we, we kind of decided that different people rested different mm -hmm. years so that they could share what they had. But it, you know, they just, they let the, the ground go. And if stuff came up, yeah, you could eat it, but you didn't plant anything. You just let whatever was there come up and re-nourish the soil. Are you going to have I know there are some crops and I don't remember what, cause it's been a long time since I've talked to a farmer, but Father Jim probably knows, but there is a certain method to rotating where what you plant next replenishes what the last crop took out of the ground. That's like peas, peas and beans follow, am I right? Peas and beans follow uh, uh, tomatoes and peppers? Yeah, I don't know. Have I That'll work, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, the peas and beans put nit fixed nitrogen in the ground. Exactly right. Yeah, because they have nitrogen fixing nodules on their roots. That's true. Because that's even like the bigger farmers when they do the corn and the soybeans. Mm -hmm. And so that's right. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, that would make sense. Yep. Well, um, wonderful. Um, any, any other thoughts or tips for getting started? One thing you were talking about compost. One place to get compost is the South Bend City Organic Resources, which is north of the airport. It's off of oh, what's that street that runs by the toll road up there? Nimitz. Yeah, it runs. There's a sign on Nimitz Parkway where you turn to go to South Bend. Uh, the uh, environmental resources. There are some purists who don't like the idea of using community compost things like that because you don't know there could have been plants that were put in there that had uh insecticides or, or or pesticides or you know something put on them but i have i i have used it for years and have i have bugs all over my plants so <laughs> so i used to use that too when i was in south Bend. yeah okay don't they also have mulch, Sue? They do. They and they're they are. If you load yourself, it's free. They will put it in a load of pickup for you with a 
you know, for a fee. But I always just, you know, I save a bunch of buckets and I take my buckets and fill them up and leave. And they've got piles up by the front. They're actually outside, so you can get outside the fence so you can get to them on weekends. I used to load it up into the back of my Subaru and then uh, it would, uh, it would just, uh, you know, somehow the compost would be all over the, it would, it would, it would, it would be, uh, I, I, I would be driving around, I'd be driving to church and the whole car smelled <laughs> like compost. So. <laughs> just as a practical question too, um, how do you how do you put the compost in uh, you know your, in your gardens um last year in one of our gardens we just started the garden with a, a layer of compost on the very bottom and then put the dirt on top of it but if you've already got a garden <laughs> um how do you how do you put the compost in after that just throw it on top and then turn it over yeah just to, yeah, you, you, know, can, you can dig it up a little bit yeah yeah, yeah turn you it can over. If you want to, but you don't have to you just throw it on the top Sometimes because tomatoes, you can keep putting soil up on tomatoes. I'll put some in, you know, in there on the tomatoes in the middle of the summer sometimes. So, and not don't, don't overcomplicate it. It sounds like you can just sort of add it um, to the yeah. top, mix it in. Right. Okay. Well, that's really helpful. Um, great, anything else? I think the suggestion about Stephen about starting small is good for people who are just starting out because you know you can do the patio planting now you've got uh, baskets hanging that you can actually have plants I heard you mention strawberries your daughter that you can put them in but uh, utilize your space but it's something you're going to be able to manage um, and many of these plants uh, as they've all been saying that all our parishioners were saying this morning will virtually kind of take care of themselves if you just keep the weeds back and make sure you don't kill off those pollinators. That's a big thing that we always have our fingers crossed with our fruit trees is that the last two years we've had plenty of blossoms, but the blossoms have come before the pollinators were out, so we didn't get any fruit. So it's just, and thank God I don't have to depend on <laughs> the fruit. But when we get it, if we get enough to make a, a couple of apple pies or some apple butter or applesauce, we're really happy with that. But again, it's still the creative work for pruning, which I did about a month ago, and the spraying with the oil to uh, for fungicide. And now that the blossoms are out, I'm having to wait for my final application of fungicide until after um, the blossoms fall off after they've been pollinated. But it, to me, it's the creativity. Um, I guess uh, my grandmother was a great farmer. Uh, all of my relatives lived in Georgia, so. Uh, my aunts would have so many azaleas on the porch that you couldn't even see people seated on the porch because you just had vine trellises after trellises of azaleas growing up the yard in uh, the house. And so um, I enjoy it because it's creative and it's nice to see something thrive and that you've been a part of that. So, And if you get some fruit or vegetables, then that's a bonus. But um, just watching them grow to me is always the exciting thing to do. So I enjoy it. I guess that's why I said the kind of hooked on gardening. <laughs> Yeah. And that's a great transition to our next question, um, you know, because, yeah, gardening, we, we do it because, you know, we need to eat, but also because we love to watch things grow. We enjoy the beauty of God's creation. Amen. Um, so the next next question is just, uh, what are a few foods or flowers that you like to plant? Um, and we do have a few pictures for those who did share some with me, um, but um, yeah, just... What do you like to grow? 
tomatoes, especially <laughs> tomatoes, because there's nothing like uh, a home ripened tomato. I mean, the ones you get in the store are just, no matter how good they are, there's no comparison. Amen to that. That's true. I know. I, I bought some gorgeous, they look wonderful, bright red tomatoes this week at the store. I thought, oh my gosh, where did these come from? They're huge. They're bright red. They have no flavor. Mm. <laughs> whatsoever. It's like, oh man. <laughs> I know it was too good to be true. <laughs> I grow a lot of uh, chiles, because, partly because I'm in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Of course, I mean, you have to have... Uh, hot chiles in Mexico, but um, they grow very well here too. Uh, and I, but also uh, I'm on a low salt diet. So I find one of the things mm -hmm. to compensate for the lack of flavor in a low salt diet is is different kinds of, of uh, chiles, which uh, just give a wonderful bite to stuff. And so, and I also use a lot of, I also grow a lot of herbs. Uh, and I always cook with a lot of herbs, which also add flavor to the to the low salt food. We had talked a little bit about herbs at our meeting, and we had mentioned the the tiny thyme that you can plant. It's um smells so good. It, it it's called steppable, mm -hmm. and it's it's like a ground cover, and you can walk on it. It won't hurt it but it just smells wonderful. And I also have a lot of oregano mm -hmm. and it comes up everywhere. Yes, it does. <laughs> I, I can't believe all the different places I'm finding it. But there again, even if it's in the lawn, if I mow it, it just smells really good. <laughs> and you can add, you know, that makes a big difference in your flavor too, having sure. fresh herbs that you can put in there. Sure it does. And mint, mint and oregano will yes. take over universe if you let them <laughs> yes i you say that but you know what i have one i where i'm where my mint is i am having a horrible time keeping it going oh okay. and i've never had that problem before like you said it usually just takes over but it obviously doesn't like where it's at but that's not necessarily a bad thing because then it won't take over yeah i put it i put it put them in a clay pot and put the pot down in the dirt so that it doesn't spread quite as bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the thing, Peg, you mentioned things not liking where they are. I mean, I've, I've found over the years that that I sometimes I'll try to keep planting something and it just doesn't, it obviously doesn't like where it is or it's just a plant that isn't happy and so I, Eventually, maybe you just try something else. Yeah. If yeah. You, for several years you just don't have any success with something, well, try something else. Well, that's the, true. The, the funny thing is, I've been in this house 20 years, and when I first lived here, that mint was going everywhere. And then all of a sudden, it just stopped. Now, I don't know if it took all the nutrients out of the ground because it was in the same place for so long. And now it's not doing as well. I did plant a different kind of mint last year, and that is back. Mm -hmm. and seems to be doing well so i don't know <laughs> but you're right sometimes you just either give up or you have to move it to a different spot it's like me with coneflower coneflower is a native plant it's supposed to be one of the easiest things in the world to grow i cannot grow coneflower <laughs> i just gave it up <laughs> 
that's one thing that that I grow that and that people could could consider is is native plants because they they feed the pollinators and they don't usually take over the universe. Um, there's a group called Indiana Native Plant Society, and they have a web page which has all kinds of information on it. And that's uh, Stephen. That picture with the butterfly. Mm-hmm. That's a, a native plant called Leatris. Oh, there right. it is. Yeah. With the butterfly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Samantha and I just um, went out this past weekend to a, a place called Naturally Native uh, here in South Bend and filled filled our front yard with some natives. So there do seem to be some great local uh, places that... Uh, yeah, that in the other picture... It's the plant that is in front of the uh, the bird bath. It's in front of the bird bath from where the picture was taken. That's that's the plant we've got in close up here. Mm-hmm. And the yellow over there is is a um, is Coreopsis, which is also native. Didn't realize I had that many natives in there. <laughs> There's also some um, some blue false indigo, but it blooms very early in the spring. There's some blue false indigo beside in that flower bed beside the um, the diocese offices. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. polyp there, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that stuff. I've got a bunch of that. <laughs> yeah, if, ever, if anyone's uh, wanting to check out the new garden happening um, behind the church, um, it's a big parking lot. It's by uh, yeah, the old diocesan offices, but um, Catherine Craker is there's some natives there already and she's adding some more so that should be fun to see how that develops um well while we're on this maybe i'll just uh share what we like to plant these are our so like al said we started small but then uh we loved it so much that i planted two more (laughs) gardens a couple weeks after i did the first one so the one on the left was the first one lots of peppers uh we i love peppers um and then tomatoes um and uh yeah so on the both sides so really for us i think this year it's going to be mostly peppers and tomatoes because those are what what, what we love to eat uh we didn't have any luck with the onions um uh this year we clearly weren't doing something right um number one we planted them all together um we didn't (laughs) separate the bulbs we okay. learned that a little bit later. So, you know, the things you learn. Um, but, um, and then someone is saying, uh, food to table. I made a joke. <laughs> we did not uh, do do right by our tomato plants last summer. We had small trellises, but they get way bigger than that. So we put a table there. It kept them <laughs> up for a little bit, but this year, bigger, bigger trellises. So- uh, There you go. In St. Francis looking over the garden. So, um, but- as you can see, things grew. So uh, clearly, you don't have to be any good at, at it or have any experience to um, to plant a garden because we didn't. So, yeah. Any other food or flowers uh, you all like to plant? Well, we just do a variety, Steve and I. Like I said, we uh, we'll do eggplants, um, do green beans, um, tomatoes. And I normally try to experiment each year. So this year I've got some horseradish. I'm going to try that. So every year I try to do something a little different. But the, I, I do the yellow uh, Yukon gold potatoes. 
I'll have my snow peas in, and when they after they after I harvest them, and I come back behind them, and I'll put in some green beans where they were at. We also a couple years ago I got the bug about garlic, so I have one batch of garlic that I put out last November, so it will be harvested this fall, and that goes all the way from a variety called elephant garlic to just some very mild forms of garlic. Um, and then the, the onions, I have red onions and yellow onions and white onions in the garden. Um, then we'll do zucchini, because um, we always like to have what we call, uh, it's a quiche called zucchini, zucchini crescent pie. That's one of our favorite summer dishes, so we'll get that right out of the garden. So I've got red raspberries, golden raspberries, I've got some young plants. Uh, mine aged, normally when you put them in the ground, it takes about four or five years before I actually start harvesting anything from the canes. and so. I've started over again. My other crop, I had some other plants that were probably about chest high, and we got plenty of red raspberries off of that for Norris. We got blackberry, thornless blackberries, and then we've got uh, dwarf um, damson plum, Stanley plum, and they cross pollinate. Uh, we're, that's, we're starting over with that again. And then we have uh, Alberta peaches, uh, two, plant, two trees of that. We've got one uh, winter gold, winter white, which is a sweet cherry. It's a young tree, so we have we get just a handful of cherries off of it. Uh, two Macintosh uh, dwarf fruit trees and two dwarf Bartlett pears. So we stay pretty busy in the summer and keeping up with it. But I enjoy it. I truly mixing it in with my fishing trips. <laughs> so, but I, it's it's very beneficial to me to go out there and weed and keep up with things. And then we share a lot too. What whatever we get in excess, we share with our immediate neighbors. Uh, we've got some. Uh, folks in my age group that don't have a garden, so we make sure that they uh, get whatever we have uh, that's in excess of what we need to have to eat ourselves. So a lot of times what we'll do is just put a small table out in the front of the yard and we'll just put a sign on it free and the people driving by can help themselves. So sharing God's bounty. That reminds me, a lot of the Unity Gardens have what they call a sharing shelf where okay. people bring stuff, you've got extra produce, you take it to a Unity Garden and just leave it on the sharing shelf and somebody can come and pick it up. That's great. There are, I don't know how many Unity Gardens now, there's like 12, 16, I don't know, they're way up there. Yeah. I volunteer at the big one, but there's a, there's a lot of them. Also, Stephen, I forgot, we also have asparagus along one fence line. We always liked asparagus, so that's been interesting, an interesting plant to grow also. Um, uh, Al, you mentioned uh, uh, garlic. Um, yes. In, in my garden in South Bend, when I had my still had my house, um, there there were there were garlic scapes um, mm. uh, that, that volunteered. I'm not sure yes. where they yes. came from, but yes. um, but they they in the spring they're just delicious. You they're tender and and they give a you chop them up and uh, there's they, like these curly things that... Uh, yes, I know what you're talking about, yes. Yeah, and and they add a wonderful mild garlic flavor to anything you you put them in. Yeah, because that's all, almost like having chives, right? That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, um, we may need to have a part two to this conversation because it's almost 11 um, and I know you folks have commitments. Um, we've got about five minutes. I do just want to really quick open it up. So Becca, I know you do some really uh, cool gardening um, and then Angelo, is it? 
I don't know. I don't know who you are, but it's wonderful that you've joined us. And if you, if if Becca or Angela wants to share any, you know, gardening wisdom or anything we've talked about, uh, be uh, love to hear from you too. Oh, I think you're muted, Angelo. Oh, yeah. Am I muted? Uh, now, now we can hear you. Oh, I, I yeah, I had uh, trouble setting up my. Uh mute or unmute i couldn't find where the button was and so that took a while but uh i uh i used to grow um tomatoes and uh peppers and and but then i planted some trees uh nearby and or i planted one big tulip tree nearby and then it blocked most of the sun so i wasn't able to after 10 years or whatever i had to stop uh so i'm interested in growing something again and uh uh i uh you know just thinking of growing the tomatoes and peppers which i liked uh but uh it's not the ideal uh, place to grow it's 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 kind of hard but i was able to grow it uh these plants you know 20 years ago whatever so i'm hoping i i can do it again i i'm just interested in listening what everyone says because i I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of different things, but I have experimented here with, you know, so like I've had some trouble growing like basil, but, you know, just pick buying a basil starter and planting it in the, in my front lawn and seeing what happens and, and it never takes off. So I, you know, I probably not doing it what I need to do. I, I, I thought I had enough sun there, but for some reason, uh, I don't know. Basil is a little more uh, difficult to um, to to keep it going. But I um, so but this uh, but this uh, this yard where I'm, I plant. See, I had a dog for 13 years. He destroyed everything in this fenced yard where I used to grow. So uh, so now that the dog is gone, and uh, I want to see if I can try plant some tomatoes and uh, peppers again and. Uh, I also would like to maybe try some sunflowers and pumpkins. So, uh, you know, I'll just uh, play up a year and see see how well I do. Very neat. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us and sharing that. It sounds uh, like you got a lot of interesting things uh, going. And I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on the basil, I, um, but um, yeah. The only thing I thought I have about basil is always uh, to keep it going and producing leaves, keep pinching off the flowers. Right from the very top, though. Right, you take you need to take all it of them, the or the take, the take them all off. Take all the flowers oh, off. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, they'll come back. Yeah. Okay, that's what I. That's one thing I didn't. Know. Yes. Yeah, pinch them off. Hmm. That's what I did with my pepper. No, I, I, I was reading some things to prune the peppers almost right away. Um, after they have about six leaves, just cut off the top, and the energy you know that's used to to grow will start spreading out instead of right. up. And um, the ones we did it with last summer were better than the ones we didn't. Um, Good. So just little things like that. But um, Becca, I want to leave a little bit. You know what? What are you growing these days? Well, I have a balcony that gets maybe three or four hours of sun, so my challenge is to not kill everything. Ooh. I am growing spinach and cilantro. I have some mints. 
I have some parsley and bee balm starters, and we'll see what actually lives. Okay. Very cool. Well, uh, and Becca's down in uh, North Carolina, so um, different Ooh. climate. Um, but, um... I just want to say something. You said you said I you didn't hear me. I don't know when I was first thing I said was I I go to St. Paul's Church and I, I Father Nate is uh, how I heard about this and, and was able to get a link to this uh, Zoom session. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we know Father Nate very well. Yeah, Father Nate, you know, being at the cathedral for a while and um, a wonderful priest. So, um, yeah, well, thanks. So it's nice to meet you. Um, and thanks, everyone, for joining. Uh, like I Thank said, you. I had we had we got through half our questions, but um, yeah, feel free to keep it going. And um, looking forward to seeing pictures and hearing about your gardens this summer. So thank you. Yep. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you.